Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Bullshit. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Got it, and I am recording. To the and you just bullshit filter. Let me try that again now that Ray stopped talking. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the bullshit filter, the news podcast. <laughs> uh, my name is Cameron Riley. If this is your first time listening, how are you, Papa Bear? Ray Harris Jr., all the way from Bumfuck, Virginia, uh, with the uh, with the crappy internet today, I believe. Yeah, Mother Nature is punishing me for hanging out with you, so the weather's been bad, signal is weak, and if you are new to the show, I wish I could say we would, we're would we going to take it easy on you, but that's not the case. Apparently, uh, Ray's internet is like uh, a, a highway. You have to slow down if it's raining because it becomes slippery when wet, which sounds sexy, but it's not when it's your internet. Um, so I'm probably just going to be doing most of the talking today, which, let's face it, what's what different? Um, Ray is going to right. fade in and fade out. Oh, I think he's faded back in. Do you want to say a Woo, couple of words before you fade out again, Ray? Yeah, I did just, and they were brilliant, but I'll just say that, um, yeah, for everybody who's new, I wish I could say that, you know, I promise we'll take it easy on you. This is your first time, but that won't be the case because Cam has got something to rant about. No one's, no one's new. No one's listening. We're, our audience is like, oh really? You know, Aww. set in cement. Tell your yeah. friends. Oh, okay. no, they don't, they don't have any friends. If if they had friends, they wouldn't be listening to our podcasts. <laughs> that disqualifies. So the story I want to talk about today is what's been happening in Australia with media raids over the last couple of weeks. Um, now, I, I I normally don't talk about Australian news on this because I know people are listening from all over the world and you don't really give a shit about Australia. Quite frankly, I live here. I don't give a shit about Australia. But uh, this has been getting uh, a fair amount of global media coverage, I've been led to believe, by our own media. And I think it is representative of what is happening around the world at the moment. So it, it has some relevance, regardless of where you live. In Western democracies uh, around the world, we are seeing a pretty scary crackdown on journalism at the moment. Assange and WikiLeaks have been the most obvious example, I think, of that. They are under attack by the USA, who, you know, various United States officials have been Mm. very clear for quite a few years now during the Obama administration and now during the Trump administration and uh, and I think going back to the George W. Bush administration that they wanted yeah. to see WikiLeaks shut down, they wanted to see Assange's head on a spike. Uh, Hillary Clinton famously talked about drone bombing uh, Julian Assange. Uh, the current administration, Mike Pompeo, I think, has said that he sees them as a, a, an enemy of the state But it's going broader than that. In Australia, over the last week, 
we've seen several raids by the federal police on journalists and publishers. And now I'm recording this, by the way, on the 11th of June, 2019. So this has taken place in the first week or so of June. Now, as I said before, these raids have been broadcast around the world and Australia's government has been receiving enormous criticism as a result of it. Here's a couple of quotes I put together. CNN's chief media reporter, Brian Stelter, said, we almost Mm -hmm. never see this in a democratic country like Australia. Something very troubling is happening on multiple fronts in Australia. Reporters Without Borders said the images of the Australian Federal Police officers entering the ABC headquarters in Sydney was more like a scene from an authoritarian country rather than a democracy. Here at home, Rebecca Anani and Welsh, a senior lecturer at uh, the TC Byrne School of Law at the University of Queensland here in my hometown of Brisbane, called the raids a clear threat to democracy. Even the right-wing Institute of Public Affairs uh, called the raids disgraceful. Our own former Human Rights Commissioner has called Australia the most repressive of the Western democracies. But of course... Our government, which was just recently re-elected, says it's all fine. It's all above board. No problems. Get on with what you're uh, doing. Uh, Don't don't look into my eyes. Don't look into my eyes. Look around my eyes. Look around my eyes. Don't look into my eyes. Uh, The opposition party, so for those who don't follow Australian politics, and quite frankly, why would you? Uh, But our, our incumbent government is a coalition of the Liberal Party, Now, despite what Mm -hmm. that may sound like to people in the United States, they are actually our conservative party. Uh, It's a coalition between them and something called the National Party, which typically is represented farmers. They have had a coalition for many decades. Neither one is uh, could get enough votes to uh, win the election by themselves. So they have a coalition. And uh, the the government and the party in opposition in Australia is the Australian Labor Party, the ALP, and they are our supposedly progressive leftist party. Although these days they're pretty much a centre right party in most respects. Now the opposition, the Labor Party, has condemned these raids of the media, even though they helped introduce the laws that made it possible. Now, most of these police actions are related to whistleblowers and the publishing of security secrets. And some people think it's okay for police and governments to prosecute whistleblowers and people who publish state secrets. Other people think that the publishing of state secrets should be protected, certainly at the level of the journalists who publish them and also the the whistleblowers who leak information that's of public interest. So I wanted to dig into these stories a little bit and see if we can work out what's really going on and drill down into the ethics of the situation a little bit. So let's talk about Australia and let's start with the News Corp raid. On Tuesday, the 4th of June, about a week ago, the Australian Federal Police, or the AFP as they're known here, raided the home of a News Corp Australian journalist, Anika Smethurst. Now, this was over the publication mm-hmm. 
of a leaked plan to allow government spying on Australians. AFP officers raided her home in the morning as she was preparing to go to work. They had a warrant to search her home, her phone and her computer, and they spent seven hours at her home. According to her, they were going through every drawer, including her underwear drawer, every page of every book, inside DVD covers, inside her bed, under her bed, I imagine in her dildo drawer, (laughs) everywhere. They spent seven hours. Now, the first thing that's surprising to me about this is that it's News Corp. Now, the Mm -hmm. incumbent Australian government was pretty much put into power by News Corp, by uh, back in 2013, News Corp, Murdoch's papers and uh, affiliated television station in this country ran a media campaign that got the coalition elected in 2013. And in our right. most recent election that happened just back in May, they ran a, a fairly strong campaign on behalf of the coalition as well. So News Corp got the government elected and then the Australian Federal Police uh, raided the house of a News Corp journalist. Now, you would think the last person you would want to piss off if you're the Australian government is Rupert Murdoch, uh, but they seem to have been bringing that in on themselves. Although I, I, I smell a little bit of a rat here. Um, in what way? Because I, want, I, I, I suspect that News Corp's not really their target, that uh, they really want to go after the... ABC, which we'll talk about in a, a little bit later on, and that going after News Corp first might be a way of deflecting any criticism that they're only targeting leftist uh, news sources. But we'll see. Now, um, the the recent elections, as I said, happened only a couple of weeks prior to this uh these raids and and it was sort of a big surprise a bit like when trump won it was a big surprise to everyone here when the coalition well were put back in government because they've done a shit job on most fronts they've run the economy into the ground they uh done nothing on climate change their track record with human rights has gone awful uh they knifed their own leader uh, not that long ago they've knifed their leaders several times now as has the other party, by the way, when they were in power. But the the prime minister here sort of changes with the weather. Um, but they managed to get back in for a whole variety of reasons that I don't have time to go into. But it was a big shock and a big surprise. And then within weeks of them being re-elected, journalists are being attacked across the country. Do you um, think now, there's a connection? Just they're well, newly elected. Do you think they would want to either start off nice and try to win people over, but they do you think there's a connection between them newly getting into office and then suddenly going after people? It just seems like they're doing it in some ways ass backwards, unless there's something about Australian politics I do, do not understand. They're not newly elected. They've been in power since 2013, so they've been in power for six years. Um, you were re-elected, but that's different to newly elected. Now, the cause of the News Corp raid was a story that was published in April 2018, over a year before the raid, when Smethurst reported that the 
heads of the Defence and Home Affairs Ministries were talking about granting themselves new powers that would allow the Australian Signals Directorate to spy on Australian citizens for the first time. Spies would be allowed to secretly access emails, bank accounts, and text messages without a warrant. (laughs) Now, who is the ASD, you might be wondering? I know I was wondering that when I read this story. The the Australian government agency responsible for foreign signals intelligence, cyber warfare, and information security. What is signals intelligence, you might be wondering? Me too. Signals intelligence, or SIGINT, is intelligence gathering by the interception of signals. Now, signals might include telephone calls or emails, communications intelligence, as it's called, or comment, or electronic signals not directly used in communication, electronic intelligence, or ELINT, which I think is like servers talking to each other and computers and all that kind of stuff going on. Data. Now, the ASD is part of the Australian intelligence community, and ASD's role within the UK-USA agreement, sometimes referred to as the Five Eyes Agreement, is to monitor SIGINT in South and East Asia. So they're doing that on behalf of the uh, Five Eyes. Now, the Five Eyes Agreement, or the Mm UK-USA Agreement, as it's technically known, was formed in 1948, early days of the Cold War. It's a multilateral agreement between Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the United Kingdom, and the United States for cooperating in sharing signals intelligence. There are other countries that are involved that are known as third parties. They include West Germany, the Philippines, Mm -hmm. a few Nordic countries. Now, the agreement was a secret <laughs> treaty. Its existence wasn't even disclosed wow. to the Australian Prime Minister until 1973, 25 years after it was formed, mm-hmm. when our then newly elected Prime Minister, Gough Whitlam, insisted on seeing it. Now, the existence of the agreement, I'm going to do a little bit of background here because it it tells you a little bit about the relationship between our governments and our intelligence organisations. Um, the the existence of the UK-USA agreement was discovered by the Australian government during the 1973 Murphy raids on the headquarters of ASIO, which is the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation. And I'll explain a little bit about ASIO in a second. But the Whitlam government came to power on the 5th of December 1972. It was the first time a Labor government had been in power in 23 years. Mm -hmm. And the purpose of the raids, which were instigated by the Attorney General at the time, Lionel Murphy, was to see if ASIO was hiding from the government information about potential terrorist activities in Australia. Um, And I'll explain more about that later on. Now, ASIO, the Australian Security Intelligence Organisation, it's basically our CIA, was set up in 1949. So uh, a year after the UK-USA agreement, it was basically set up to to run that agreement. Um, It was a 
Cold War intelligence operation, and it was infamous for a long time in Australia for something called the mm-hmm. Petrov Affair. Now, younger listeners may not be aware of this. I don't think it gets a lot of media play these days, but it's worth a quick overview of. So in 1954, a Russian spy based in Australia at the uh, Russian embassy defected. His name was Vladimir Petrov. He'd been sent to the Canberra embassy in 1951 by our old friend Beria, the Soviet security chief under Stalin. Stalin, still alive in 1951, his security chief Beria, uh, sent Petrov out to Australia. Now, after Stalin's death in 1953, Beria was arrested and shot, uh, as anyone who's seen the death of Stalin will be aware. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Petrov apparently was worried that if he returned to the Soviet Union, he would be shot as well as a Berea man. But he was also the victim of a double agent. Now, there was a Polish doctor and musician who um, Petrov spent a couple of years trying to turn into an asset for the Soviets. Um, Didn't know that this guy was secretly working undercover for ASIO. And so... Uh, you know, he he basically uh, uh, brought charges against Petrov for being a spy. Uh, he was supposed to supposedly a diplomat, right? <laughs> he was spying, trying to turn this guy. So Petrov decided to defect, but didn't tell his wife because I assume he he didn't like her very much. So he defected, but it was obviously in secret. Mm-hmm. When they couldn't find him, the KGB accused the Australian government of kidnapping him and sent agents Mm -hmm. out to collect his wife and take her home. But the Australian government, run by a guy called Robert Menzies at the time, stopped the plane as it was refuelling at Darwin Airport, uh, falsely accused the KGB of carrying weapons, which would have been against the law, and while they were doing that, offered the wife asylum, which she accepted. Now, this was in the early days of television, caused a media and political firestorm. And to deflect attention from how badly they handled it, the government, which was the, the Liberal mm. Party, Robert Menzies and the Liberal Party, held a royal commission, uh, which uh, for those of you who aren't in Australia... Royal Commission is a big government-funded... It's like a Senate hearing, I guess. Big independent uh, independent investigative body is set up to look into something, and they usually have fairly broad powers to investigate. A bit like the Mueller report, I guess. So they held a Royal Commission in which they claimed the documents Petrov gave them when he defected showed that senior Labour Party staffers were Soviet spies. The Labour Party at the time, as today, was the major opposition party. But the leader of the Australian Labour Party at the time, Dr H.V. Evatt, was a former Justice of the High Court of Australia and the third President of the United Nations General Assembly. So he was no dummy, and he appeared before the Royal Commission as the attorney for his staff members who were accused of being spies, He cross-examined some of the key ASIO operatives and basically accused the whole thing of being politically motivated. The whole hearing turned into a shambles and he was basically 
booted from the Royal Commission. He was banned from being allowed to appear. He was the former Justice of the High Court of Australia, the third President of the United Nations General Assembly, the head of our uh, opposition party and was banned from appearing before the Royal Commission. So that whole thing was a bit embarrassing Mm. as well. Now, as a result of the defections, the Australian Embassy in Moscow was expelled and the USSR Embassy in Canberra was recalled. Diplomatic relations weren't re-established with the Soviet Union until 1959. Now, no one was ever charged with an offence as a result of the defection and the documents or the Royal Commission. No major spying was uncovered. And the Petrovs lived happily mm. in Australia under aliases for the rest of their lives. He died in 1991. She died in 2002. But the defections came just before the 1954 federal election. Evert, the head of the Labor Party, accused Menzies of having arranged the timing of the defections to coincide with the election as a mm. boost for the Liberal Party who weren't expected to win, just like they weren't expected to win a month ago. Um and they did win then as a result of some of the positive boosts they got from this, particularly the accusations that the Labor Party had been infiltrated by uh, Soviet yeah. communists. And from that moment on, the Labor Party didn't trust ASIO, a bit like Donald Trump doesn't trust the FBI or the CIA. Now, in fact, in 1971, the Labor Party, when they were deciding on their party platform, took a vote to disband ASIO if they ever got into power. They decided not to do that. They decided they might need them in the end. Mm -hmm. And then they did come to power a little over a year later, in December of 1972, uh, under the leadership of Gough Whitlam. Now, the Labor Party, when they got into power, still didn't trust ASIO. And as I said at the beginning of this, they raided ASIO's offices early in 1973. Now, Mm -hmm. this happened because the Yugoslav Prime Minister was due to visit Australia about a week later. And the government believed ASIO was hiding information from them about the existence of right-wing Croatian terrorist groups that might try to attack the Yugoslav PM during his visit. (laughs) ASIO denied the existence of uh, right-wing Croatian terrorist groups. No, we don't have anything like that. Um, So the government raided (laughs) their offices. Now, can you imagine what that would be like? Jesus. Imagine if the Trump administration raided the CIA or the FBI, Ray. Um, I mean, mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, basically. Had the AFP do it. Now, when they raided them, they found out there there was information about right-wing Croatian terrorist groups that ASIO was hiding from the Labor government and lying to the Labor government about. Why? Um, We can only assume. But uh, it was was during this raid that Whitlam learned about the secret Five Eyes agreement. He learned that the country he was prime minister of was secretly sharing information with the USA and the UK, and uh, he didn't know about it. So that was an interesting revelation. He also discovered that Pine Mm. Gap, 
which was uh, uh, supposedly a space research station developed in conjunction with the United States, close to Alice Springs in the middle of Australia, was actually a uh, satellite surveillance base run by the CIA. Again, he didn't know about that. Neither did did the general public in Australia. It had been set up in the late 60s. We had been told it was for space research. Yeah was actually a CIA spying base in the middle of Australia. Right. To each so other. just another yeah. um, <laughs> bit of evidence there that governments, my friends, lie. Right. Yeah, right. and to the, yeah, to, to, to the Australian government didn't even know. Intelligence agencies lie, governments lie. Pine Gap, by the way, still there, now jointly operated by both Australia and the United States. Now, the existence oh of the Five Eyes Agreement, the UK-USA agreement, was Why not disclosed to the it? public until 2005. And, of course, I don't know why it came out then, but uh, I do know that when Snowden, Edward Snowden, leaked all of his documents a few years later, that's when it really hit the mainstream and we found out the level of spying they were doing. Now, the whole ASIO and Pine Gap affair created a rift between the Australian Whitlam mm-hmm. government and the Nixon administration. And a couple of years later, in 1975, when the Whitlam government was removed by the Queen's representative in Australia, a very right. famous affair, when the Queen's representative, using his little understood powers, <laughs> basically just... <laughs> crossed a line through the government's name wow. and said, right, you're out. No election, just, no, nah, you're out, you're done. We're replacing you with a new government. Yeah. Um, it was seen by some people then and still is today as machinations of the US government. There's been lots of conspiracy so, theories that the CIA, and I talk yeah. a little bit about that in my book, the... Uh, um, nice. Uh, uh, what's my book cool. called? Oh, Psychopath Economy. Got a publisher, by the way. Just got into negotiations with a publisher. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Finally. Anyway. So, um, yeah, that's some of the history of our spying organizations and uh, their relationships with our Labor Party. Anyway, back to the News Corp raid. Now, as I said before, the cause of the raid was a story from April 2018, a year before the raid, more than a year before the raid where uh, it was alleged that the government was trying to give the ASD, the Australian Signals Directorate, new powers to spy on Australian citizens for the first time. They would be allowed to secretly, without a warrant, access emails, bank accounts and text messages. And uh, technically, they're not supposed to spy on Australian citizens, uh, like the CIA is not supposed to spy on Americans. Uh, they were trying to sneak through these powers to let our spying organisations spy on us. Now, the raid on her house was justified by the AFP, the Australian Federal Police, because they claimed the information she published was an official secret and they said it was an extremely serious matter that has the potential to undermine Australia's national security. <laughs> the fact that we're secretly going to spy on Australians has the potential yeah. to undermine yeah. Australia's national security. Bit of a stretch. Yeah. 
Now, I think a lot of us, myself included, assume oh, they're yeah. spying on us anyway. If if not Australians, then the, N- the NSA is probably <laughs> spying on me and right. sharing everything they find with the Australian uh, intelligence organisations and they're in the government, the police. <coughs> I think that's the era we live in. We just, particularly post-Snowden, we just assume they're watching and listening to everything. But that's beside the point. The point is... She, uh, this journalist, published this information and they raided her house. Now, News Corp put out a public statement saying, the Australian public's right to know information about government laws that could impact their lives is of fundamental importance in our society. Now, I agree with them, but I have to wonder if News Corp has been defending Julian Assange and WikiLeaks in the <laughs> same way here and in the United States. I don't really know, but I suspect yeah. not. I suspect uh, quite a few Fox News uh, Fox News commentators have accused Julian Assange of being uh, a criminal for doing exactly the same thing that yeah. this News Corp ju- journalist did, uh, publishing leaked secret government information. Anyway... I know that lots of journalists in Australia have been happy to throw WikiLeaks and Julian Assange under the bus, but they are now complaining loudly when it started to be applied to them and their colleagues. (laughs) They've always seen Julian... I think Julian embarrassed them by taking investigative journalism and leaks to a whole (laughs) new level, and they were happy to throw him under a bus, Right. Even though he won the highest award for journalism turn. in the country back in 2011, the Walkley Award. But uh, now, now, yeah, well, this is the whole thing, right? right. It's uh, yeah, these things are slippery slopes. That's the whole thing. They, they came for the Jews, but I didn't worry because I wasn't a Jew thing, right? Now, <clears throat> under Australian law, it's not just the sources that leaked the classified information that face jail. It's also the journalists. Up to 15 years, journalists can face in jail for publishing confidential information. Now, when this News Corp story first came out in April 2018, the Mm. intelligence organisations said it was nonsense the Home Affairs Minister, Peter Dutton, a.k.a. Mr. Potato Head, um, and his uh, his yeah. district is the suburb next to mine, unfortunately. He said it was nonsense. Oh, that's nonsense. So they're cracking down pretty hard on something that is nonsense. Uh, at the time, he denied that it was uh, legit. Now he's saying, well, you know, she leaked secrets. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. No one's above the law. Well, hold on. If it's nonsense... Where's the crime, apart from publishing nonsense, which is a different crime? So obviously, again, our government was lying to us when they said it was nonsense uh, a year ago. Now they're cracking down on it, saying she broke the law. Now, the the incumbent government, along Mm. with the opposition party, Labor, passed sweeping new anti-espionage laws in June of 2018. But, and there was a big cry uh, about it at the time that it was going to threaten right. whistleblowers and journalists. They said, ah, oh, no, no, don't worry about it. We've put exemptions in place to protect journalists reporting on matters of public interest. 
But these the the but the charges thrown at these journalists in these most recent raids actually go back to our version of the Espionage Act that was put into place in 1914. It's not even this new these new anti-espionage laws, although they're not helping. But here are the questions that I want to ask, and then we'll get into the ABC story. Mm-hmm. The first question is: Is it ethical and moral for someone working for the government? to leak classified information to a journalist if they believe the public has a right to know what's going on. Now, I think it is, and I think it's important. I think if we operate from the starting point, the starting assumption that governments do bad shit, and they lie about it, and they try and keep it secret, then the general public definitely wants Mm -hmm. whistleblowers to leak information that the public should know about. It is it is ethical and moral. Yes, on one hand, you might say, well, they, they signed an employment agreement to keep it a secret. Sure, but they also have an... Mm-hmm. Exactly. They have an ethical and moral obligation to reveal dirty laundry. Um, now, the question then is what journalists do with it when they get it, but that's that's something else. We'll get to that in a second. Now, if somebody does leak classified information, what should the repercussions be for that person? Now, obviously... Secrets do exist. Obviously, there are certain bits of information that should be kept a secret. Although we all know that governments uh, try and keep more things a secret than necessarily should be kept a secret. But obviously, secrets do exist. Who gets to who gets to decide what is secret and what isn't? Who gets to decide? if the leaking of the secret is justified mm-hmm. or not. Well, I guess, in a way, at the end of the day, that has to be the judicial system that gets to decide on these things. But we know that if a whistleblower leaks, this inf- leaks some information uh, and gets caught... Absolutely. The... Ramifications for them, both personally and professionally, are enormous. The cost of lawyers, they lose their job, uh, all of the pressure that falls upon them. Quite often they end up uh, getting divorced, uh, they end up sick uh, just from the the stress and the tension. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we need to have protections in place for whistleblowers of government secrets. That doesn't mean that they shouldn't be subjected to legal process to make sure that they followed certain steps uh, internally before they decide to go public with this information, to make sure that the information that they leak meets certain standards in terms of the public's uh, right to know or make sure it's in the public interest. But yes, they should they should be subject to judicial proceedings, but they should also be protected 
uh, uh, to make sure right. that their lives aren't completely destroyed in the process, even before there's a judicial verdict. Um, and uh, whistleblower protections in this country are fairly weak at the moment. Mm-hmm. So the second line of questioning then is, what is the role of journalists and publishers who are given classified information? Should they be allowed to publish it without fear of jail? And should journalists be able to protect their sources? Now, I, I, I think we all agree that journalists mm-hmm. should be able to pub. I think well, most of us will agree. Anyway, the journalists should be able to publish this information if they decide that it is in the public interest. The process that we would want journalists and publishers to go through is, first of all, to do their best Mm -hmm. efforts to make sure that the information is accurate and correct, that they're not being fed a bullshit story. You want to verify the veracity of your source and of the information that they're providing to the best of your ability under the circumstances then you want to have some sort of a a team internally, including some lawyers, that assess the information and decide whether or not this is genuinely something that is in the public interest and what the implications of making it public Mm. would be to genuine uh, security interests of the country (laughs) and the national security. Because again, governments will say anything and everything. What they had for breakfast is a matter of national security in order to make something secret. I mean, that's just obvious in human nature and governments have been doing that forever. That's the the Mm -hmm. easiest way to keep dirty laundry a secret is to say it's a matter of national security, even when it's not. So you, you would hope that these journalists and publishers have a process in place and again, uh, that they should be subject to judicial overview and oversight, but there should be pretty stringent restrictions right. in place for how for much the, good of the, nation. the book yeah. can be thrown at them when yeah. they're doing their yeah. job, uh, uh, following the steps to, for the good of the general public, exactly. And these should be mm. very, very clear guidelines and uh, it, there shouldn't be any murkiness in there because what you don't want is a situation where journalists are too scared to report on government dirty secrets because they're worried it's going to destroy their lives. Journalists, even though they may work for a large media organization that has lots of lawyers and lots of money, there's still massive personal consequences Mm -hmm. for journalists who get involved in these things. And you don't want them to be able to publish anything willy-nilly, but at the same time, you want them to feel confident that if they follow the steps, their lives aren't going to be destroyed. Yes. Now... Because the imp- yes, and the implications if journalists and publishers are too scared to publish leaked dirty laundry are horrifying. Now, we, we all mm-hmm. need to understand, and you, you and I have said this on all of our shows right. constantly all governments lie all of the time. That's just mm-hmm. non negotiable. Governments lie, everybody lies, including politicians. 
and civil servants and people who work in government, they all lie for a whole variety of reasons. Sometimes they lie because they have to lie. Sometimes they lie because they should lie. Yes, please, God. Um, you know, like when your wife says, do these jeans make my ass look big? You should lie in those. Right. If they do, you should still lie. that's not the situation. Yes. Right, right, right. Uh, You want her butt to look big? Yeah. There's good big butts and not good big butts, right? Um. Uh, sometimes they lie for good reasons. Sometimes they lie for bad reasons. And but there are there are always bad reasons, and the public has a right to know when they're lying for bad reasons and what those lies are. Now, under this uh, proposal of increasing the spying powers that Smethurst, the journalist, reported that she had seen. The uh, Home Affairs Minister, Peter Dutton, Mr. Potato Head, and the Defence Minister, then Marisa Payne, would have sign-off powers to allow digital surveillance of Australian citizens without the need Mm. for a warrant or the Attorney General's go-ahead. Even the Attorney General didn't need to approve these things. So it's basically secret police is what it is. It's just what it is. It's Stasi. It's secret police powers to spy on Australian citizens without any legal or judicial oversight. No warrant, no attorney general sign off. Just we can do whatever the fuck we want to spy on Australian (laughs) citizens. Now, this definitely sounds like something the Australian people should know about setting up a secret police service. Now, um, the Snowden leaks revealed in 2013, five years before this um, publication by News Corp, that the Signals Directorate had offered to share raw metadata it collected on Australian citizens with the Five Eyes allies, leading to concerns at the time that the agency was already acting outside of its legal mandate. It's not supposed to spy on Australian citizens. But back in 2013, it was already offering to share information it had collected with the other Five Eyes members. So maybe this these new powers that they're pushing through is something to uh, retrospectively mm. protect them against what they're already doing. Again, something Australians deserve to know about. The third big question over this raid is why yeah, did it take a that. year for the feds to bust down her door? Yeah. Uh, right. You would think that if a journalist publishes something that's a secret, classified information, right. you would want to be going through her, and you wanted to find the source of the leak, yeah. you'd want to be going through her stuff as quickly as you could before she had a chance to erase it. Now, of course, it's hard to erase stuff these days because a couple of years ago, our government, in conjunction with our opposition party, the Labor Party, passed laws that mandated metadata retention. All of our communications companies, telephone, ISPs, etc., uh, mandated by law to keep records of every yeah. communication transaction that every Australian citizen makes um, for two years. Yeah. 
So they already had that on her, but they were looking for more. But yeah, the timing of it is the big thing that people are asking questions about. Why, if this is a justified raid, which they're claiming, why did it take over a year for them to do it? And the timing happening just after the election is very Mm. suspicious. Now, of course, the federal police and the government are saying, no, the election had nothing to do with it. In fact, the government knew nothing about it. Complete surprise to us. But it seems like nobody in this country is taking that denial seriously. Now, on the same day that Smethurst's house was raided, another journalist, Ben Fordham, who mm-hmm. works both for Sydney radio station 2GB, which again is quite right-wing. Um, it's, it's big star radio host is a guy called Alan Jones, who is extreme right-wing provocateur, uh, very much in the Murdoch side of things, although it's not a Murdoch-owned property. He's very much mm-hmm. part of that kind of cabal of crazy right-wing racist mm. uh, nut jobs, uh, famously closeted gay, uh, former rugby coach of Australia. Um, uh, so yeah, that's Radio 2GB. Ben, it wasn't him that got raided. Ben Fordham is a guy who works for 2GB. He also works for Sky News, Murdoch TV in Australia. Said he was contacted by the Home Affairs Department about a story he published just the day before about asylum seeker boats arriving from Sri Lanka. Now, again, under uh, recently introduced Australian legislation, by recently, I mean in the last few years, it is illegal to talk about asylum seekers trying to reach Australia. Um, For Americans, this is the equivalent of Mexicans Mm -hmm. and uh, Latin Americans trying to get across your border. Uh, It is illegal now in Australia to talk about that. The fact that asylum seekers, because the government, the coalition, came to power, said they were going to stop asylum seeker boats. And then they passed a law saying you're not allowed to talk about asylum seeker boats, whether they arrive or don't arrive, or the concentration camps that we're putting them on offshore, not allowed to talk about it. It's against the law to talk about any of that. So... um, yeah, this is the this is Australia, the uh, bastion of democracy. Now, uh, Fordham said the ministry called him asking for his source for the story. He, like a good journalist, refused to provide it, and they said he could be subject to a federal police investigation. Right. Now, the very next day, the AFP raided the ABC. The Australian Broadcasting Corporation, our government-funded media company, they produce, they've got a TV station, Mm -hmm. they have radio station, and they do a lot of web-based content. Been around since 1929, modelled on the BBC for the first uh, (coughs) 50-odd years, 45 years maybe, they had a, a licensing model similar to the BBC. Then the Whitlam government in 1973 made it funded completely by government grants. They also these days do a little bit of commercial work, but it's funded principally by the government. It's often accused of having a left-wing bias by right-wing governments. They claim to be neutral. Anyway, this raid was over articles and news stories that they put out in 2017... 
about alleged misconduct by Australian special forces in Afghanistan. So this raid happened two years after those stories came out. Why raid the ABC now, two years later? Very strange, very suspicious. Now, this warrant that the police had to raid the ABC apparently gave the police the authority to add, copy, alter, or delete any documents they wanted to on the ABC's computers. They could delete evidence. It gave the police power to delete evidence or alter evidence. How do you defend yourself? I think that's a point. When the police have the right to alter or delete evidence. (laughs) My God. Now, um, these documents that the ABC published in 2017 were pretty shocking. Um, Some of the stories were already known about, but they revealed a lot more information. Basically, they were talking about ingrained problems within the Australian Special Forces and what was called a warrior culture, Mm -hmm. a willingness by officers to turn a blind eye to poor behavior by our Special Forces. They revealed the alleged cover-up of the killing of an Afghan boy, another alleged incident where a father and son were shot dead during a raid, which was covered up. These incidents both occurred back in 2013. A a man and his six-year-old child were killed during a raid on a house. There was a detainee who was alone with an Australian soldier and was killed. There was another incident where an Afghan man was riding a motorcycle and was killed by Australian mm-hmm. troops because he was stopping and starting and they thought he looked suspicious. Um, there was uh, oh also a story about hands being mm-hmm. cut off. Hands of dead Taliban fighters being severed by Australian troops. Um, basic story with this is that uh, Australian Special Forces are required to collect fingerprints and eye scans of every Taliban fighter who is killed if Mm -hmm. it's possible for them to do that so they can create a database of who's who in the zoo, I guess. Um, But, of course, as it should be under Geneva Code, uh, the mutilation or mistreatment of the bodies of the dead is a violation of the laws of war. But one SAS corporal, the SAS is our Special Air Service Regiment, same as the British SAS, got the same motto, who dares wins. One SAS corporal cut off the hands of killed Taliban combatants using a scalpel. Mm -hmm. And when apparently his superiors said, what the fuck are you doing? He said, I didn't have time to take their fingerprints under time pressure. Had to go. Helicopter was leaving. So I just thought it was quicker to cut their hands off, throw them in my backpack. Now, apparently Mm -hmm. they had had training a week earlier and during the, about the fingerprint gathering and during the training, one of the soldiers asked, so you're sweet with us bringing back a hand? And the reply was, yeah, do what you got to do when you're on the ground. It is easy. Now, uh, apparently, then they started cutting off hands. And uh, now, obviously, 
<laughs> sure. Yeah. That's always been my policy. Um, yeah. Particularly when I'm on a date and I'm like, uh, listen, you could give me a hand job or I could just cut off your hand and do it myself. But it's easier. It's the same thing, really. Now, new guidelines were quickly put into place, uh, emphasizing that the mutilation and otherwise maltreatment of human remains is not permitted. But uh, the very fact that this was going on, and uh, as far as we know, there were no repercussions for the soldiers who did it, the soldiers, is quite shocking. Anyway, there were other stories that came out of part of this ABC uh, leak of internal documents. Um, there was a helicopter attack, killing mm-hmm. boys in their donkeys. There was a boy who was mistakenly killed as he hid under blankets. There was all these sorts of stories that came out. Obviously, uh, embarrassing to our military and embarrassing to the government. And so they um, are going after the ABC and Mm -hmm. obviously trying to find out who leaked these documents to them. But just the whole the whole visual of police raiding the ABC's offices, very, very shocking uh, in Australia. It's it getting be. a lot of media attention. Journalists all around the country are up in arms, as they are all around the world. Mm-hmm. When you have police rolling into media organisations and rifling through their computers and their files um, to uncover... Sources, it's uh, really quite scary precedent. And again, yeah, something you would expect to see happen in Russia or Turkey or Saudi Arabia. Well, yeah, or today. I mean, this is supposedly a democracy with a free press. This is not what you expect to see happen. And people can't write it off as oh it's no big deal it is a big deal if it wasn't a big deal everyone wouldn't be going holy shit around the world it's a big deal it's a huge deal now these aren't the only whistleblower cases going on in australia at the moment uh the government is prosecuting a lawyer and his client who's a former Mm. uh asis officer asis is the australian secret intelligence service Um, Because they revealed uh, an illegal spy operation against the Mm. Timor-Leste government, uh, a.k.a. East Timor, during oil negotiations. Apparently, our secret intelligence service planted 200 covert listening devices in the government offices of the East Timorese government during oil negotiations to obtain information about their negotiating tactics to help Australian interests maintain the upper hand in uh, oil and gas negotiations. Um, The Prime Minister of uh, Timor-Leste, who had only recently won their independence from Indonesia with our help... (laughs) And I always right. said at the time the reason we helped them was so we could negotiate better oil and gas, uh, access to their oil and gas. Um, he accused the Australian government of plundering the oil and gas in the Timor Sea. He said 
Timor Leste loses $1 million a day due to Australia's unlawful exploitation of resources in the disputed area. Timor Leste cannot be deprived of its rights or territory because of a crime. So basically, uh, you illegally uh, bugged our government offices in order to help your negotiations, and now our people who are poor are losing a million dollars a day as a result of that illegal uh, activity. Now, this is a good one. The Australian Foreign Minister at the time, Alexander Downer, by the way, the same guy who started the whole Russiagate investigation in the US, because he's the guy who was uh, one of our uh, ambassadors in the UK when uh, George Papadopoulos, for some reason, was having a drink with him, probably at a gay club late one night, and said... uh, Oh, yeah, the Russians are going to give us all this information on Hillary Clinton. It's fantastic. And and Downer contacted the CIA and that kicked off the whole thing. Anyway, he was the foreign minister at the time when the East Timorese government were accusing Australia of bugging them. He said, I think they've made a very big mistake thinking that the best way to handle this negotiation is trying to shame Australia, is mounting abuse on our country, accusing Mm. us of being bullying and rich and so on, when you consider all we've done for East Timor. Um, Again, more lies from the government. Um, Now, in March of 2014, the International Court of Justice had to order Australia to stop spying on East Timor. So there you go. Um, Then, as you mentioned before, there's a guy called Richard Boyle. Now, Richard Boyle was a debt collector for our tax department who leaked information that the government was taking a very heavy-handed approach on recovering debts that threatened Mm -hmm. to put a whole bunch of small businesses uh, into liquidation and people into bankruptcy. He said it was pretty harsh. He leaked that information to the press after getting no traction internally. He currently is on trial facing 66 charges for leaking that information and faces 161 years in jail. Which obviously, yeah. um, but he tried gonna... to go through the Public Interest Disclosure Act of 2013. I mean, he did what he was supposed to do, and I guess those laws are too weak. They're maybe just um, show or dressing or something like that. But obviously, it's not enough to actually change or alter anything. So he did what he had to do. Yeah. Um, now, as I mentioned earlier, back in 2015, both of our major political parties helped usher in this metadata retention mm-hmm. law, which prompted huge concerns at the time, particularly over the anonymity of journalists' sources. Metadata, so metadata for people who haven't paid attention to this, is details about the communication, not the communication right. itself. So they're not. it's not recording your phone call, but it's talking about what number you call, what telephone number, at what time, and how long it lasted, basically. Um they have to be retained by telecommunications companies for two years, as we said earlier, and a huge number of government agencies are allowed warrantless access to that metadata. They don't even need a warrant. Last year, uh, the Communications Mm. Alliance, group of communications companies, 
said that they their members, communications companies in Australia, had received requests in the past year from at least 80 different government agencies for metadata. Now, the United Nations enshrines the right to access information and uh, protection for sources and whistleblowers. It's in the United uh, the United Nations Declaration for Human Rights. Um, and Australia's ratified that, uh, the right to private information and protection of sources. But, you know, they've passed these laws, which basically runs roughshod o- over all right. of that. They're... Um, our whistleblower protections are constantly being criticised by human rights bodies around the world mm-hmm. for their weaknesses, and uh, you know they're, they're they're very very poor. Yeah. Let's just say that everyone knows it, and our government is doing Absolutely. nothing about it. As you said, this ATO whistleblower boil initially raised concerns eternally, but um, got nowhere with it. So he finally decided the the public had a right to know. Australia now has more national security laws than any other nation. And it's the only liberal democracy in the world that lacks a charter of human rights. Like in America, you've got your Bill of Rights that protects freedom of the press and things like that, right to bear arms. Um, Australia doesn't have one of those. Now, this has been something that I, I've been arguing for for decades. Used to, way, way back in the early days of the internet, I remember being on forums, IRC forums, where we would discuss this sort of stuff. One of the arguments against it has always been, well, we don't need it because we've got enough legal right. precedents that uh, enshrine all of these anyway. We don't actually need it in writing uh, some sort of formal mm. statement. Point is that we probably do now. We we need to codify what these rights are, particularly in terms of the rights to free speech and the rights to privacy. Yeah. Now, were any of these cases that we've talked about this information leak threats to genuine threats no. to national security? The consensus, as far as I can tell, from Australian journalists of all sides, left and right Mm -hmm. right now, seems to be no. It's very rare these days to get media companies on the left (laughs) and the right uh, singing the same tune about something. They are all up in arms about this and saying there is no basis for these raids and no genuine national security threats with any of this information that was leaked. So what happens next and why is this happening? Well, I think it's obvious that Western democracies are cracking down on whistleblowers and leaks. You know, and and this is where we have to give Julian Assange credit. Julian has been saying for years, his original Mm -hmm. manifesto that he wrote even before WikiLeaks existed. Uh, I remember reading this a few years ago. His original manifesto said that the only way to really tackle corrupt governments and corrupt corporations was by exposing their dirty secrets Mm. to the light. And to do that, we needed to create mechanisms to allow good 
people inside of those organizations right. to leak secret yep. information. The dirty, dirty laundry is always going to right. be a secret. Of course it is. They don't, they don't want this to get public. So corporations, political parties, government uh, organizations, religious organizations are always going to try and keep their dirty laundry secret. By mm-hmm. default, that's what they're going to try and do. So we need people to be leaking those secrets. Absolutely. We need mechanisms in place to determine whether or not the, the stuff that they leak genuinely is in the public interest, of course. But we also need to protect their ability to leak, genuinely leak, genuinely Uh, public interest information. It's absolutely massively important that people feel able to do that without the threat of their life and career being destroyed. But governments around the world obviously don't want this to happen and they are going to crush it in every way possible. And you know, these days, it started with Assange and then mm-hmm. uh, Edward Snowden came out. And since then, pretty much all media organizations have created their own systems for allowing whistleblowers to leak information to them using secure encrypted services and encrypted drop boxes to try and protect the identity of the whistleblower and they have encrypted communication services that uh, have sort of sprung up in the last five years to make this easier than ever before. Um, You know, quite famously, when Edward Snowden was trying to leak his information to Glenn Greenwald, uh, he, he reached out to Glenn and basically his first contact just said, hey, listen, if you set up uh, an encrypted email service, I've got something you might be interested in. And Greenwald was like, I don't know, I don't, I can't be bothered. I don't have time to set up an encrypted email service just for this guy. He could be a kook. Um, even Glenn Greenwald at the time wasn't really set up to easily receive encrypted emails. So, th- But these days, they all have them, all media organizations. You go up to pretty much any large media company's Mm. website and you'll see a section on their website that says, if you have information you want to securely leak to us, here's how to do it. And so what governments are trying to do now with the WikiLeaks uh, allegations and charges against Assange and the uh, things happening now in Australia, and there are other cases, of course, in the United States uh, that have been going on since the days of the Obama administration with Chelsea Manning and many of the others that have leaked information have had the the book thrown at them again they're not protected they've gone to jail and uh, are facing enormous personal and professional consequences mm-hmm. it's the establishment's way right. of saying we will destroy you if you leak and now publish the secrets that we want to hide from the public so uh, that's what's going on around the world at the moment. Expect to see a lot more of this. How do we fight it uh, as as 
the general public, um, I, I think it's time to all be Edward Snowden mm. and Julian Assange. Um, we all need to be on the front foot with this because if we don't fight this, if we aren't out there fighting this right. by continuing to leak and say, bring it on, you know, bring it on. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah. we're going to end up with massive secret police forces in this country spying on anything and everything. And yeah. I mean, this isn't, I mean, it kind of sounds tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist to say that, but this is literally oh, yeah. what the Australian government is trying to bring into place. A secret police force that is able to spy on everything every Australian citizen says mm-hmm. and does and to be able to access that without a warrant. Now, if, if you have warrants in place, of course, you have to get a judge yeah. to look at the, the reason why you want to look mm-hmm. at this information and make a decision on whether or not it is legitimate. But when you have warrantless access to this, all bets are off. Now, as we've seen time and time again around the world, and we've been talking about this recently with regard to the United States, uh, you have one administration that introduces this stuff and says, well, we're only going to use it for terrorists or we're only going to use it for child molesters or we're only going to use it for whatever. And they sound reasonable and they sound genuine. And a lot of people go, well, okay, I guess it's an abrogation of our basic rights, but sure, Mm. I guess we can justify it for that. And then you get another administration and another one and another one, and you end up with Donald Trump in power. And these things just run out of control and it's too late by then. It's exactly like you and I have been talking about in our Tiberius show. Exactly. Um, from Julius Caesar through to Augustus, through to by the time you get to Tiberius, uh, the Senate is completely mm-hmm. just a bunch of useless, useless flunkies. You can't wind the clock back once these things happen. It is yeah. almost impossible. You Too almost late. need a major war, a civil right. war. You right. know, historically speaking. You need a civil war mm-hmm. or a, a full-on international war in order to reverse these sorts of changes. Yeah. Uh, this is... Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, once the nuts. government can listen in to every conversation, mm-hmm. they can spy on their political opponents, they can spy on the media, they can then accuse them of... Uh, leaking secrets and throw you in jail, take you to court, destroy your life. There's no, there's no genuine political way of being able to fight back when you have a secret police force that's able to listen to everything you say and read everything you write mm. and get away with it. And it's enshrined in the laws of the land that they can do that. Now, of course, in Australia, just to wrap up, there is one leak of classified information that hasn't and won't lead to a raid. There was a leak uh, about information that uh, were... There were proposed laws to fast-track asylum seeker medical transfers. Uh, Information about these proposed laws 
was leaked to the media. In this case, it benefited mm-hmm. this leak, the incumbent government, and uh, helped them win an election because they were able to create a firestorm about how the opposition were soft oh. on treatment of asylum seekers. And the Australian Federal Police <laughs> announced this week that they had closed the case on that particular leak because they didn't think they would be able to find right. any evidence. So if the leaks benefit the incumbent government, they uh, 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 mm. open and shut cases. Sorry, we're not going to investigate that too hard. When the leaks embarrass the incumbent government, then they go after them with all of the power that they have. So expect to see more of this around the world. Uh, I don't see how we prevent this apart from fighting it with everything that we have. And uh, if you're out there and you have information, figure out how to leak it. As, uh, as often as you can. And uh, I'm sorry, you might have to put yourself in the firing line, but we all need to take risks. It, um, they may come after you and accuse you uh, of being a serial rapist uh, as a result of attacking them, but um, just that's part of the price that you have to pay. Yeah, that that is the bullshit filter, the news for this week. We'll be back next week. Take care of yourself. Hopefully Ray's internet has improved. Hopefully there's less... Hopefully. Just feed the mouse that you have running in your uh, internet wheel, Ray. <laughs> Super cheese, I will.